Welcome back to episode 74 of Anime Deep Dive. Due to the extent plot points will be discussed, a spoiler warning is now in effect. This is a spoiler review, so if you haven't seen the series and are only looking for a recommendation, there's a timestamp in the episode description you can skip to for final thoughts. That section's spoiler-free where I get my overall opinion on the series and if it's worth your time to watch. So with that out of the way, let's deep dive into Seraph of the End. Battle in Nagoya was released in 2015 by Wit Studio. It has 12 episodes and comes in both sub and dub. I continued the series in dub. I jumped into Battle in Nagoya right after Vampire Rain because I was having fun with the story and wanted to see where it went. The crew got their ass whipped at the end of last season and need better control of their cursed gear, but Yu's offer in exchange for demon power was a joke. Asher and Maru should have been like, friendship, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? Come back when you're ready to sacrifice an innocent or sell your soul. Until then, take this useless multiple sword attack that never lands and is easily deflected. Yu also has a funny idea of friendship. The second he needs more strength, he ditches Ashur Maru and goes for the trumpet, like, what kind of partnership is that? I like how Yoichi befriends his demon by actively communicating with it instead of only bothering it for power. Now he's a beast picking off vampires and even pushed Kurito back at the airport. His bow also really stood out this time around, from the multi-layer scope to the demon expanding behind him, and the camera traveling through a building to follow his arrow's path was by far the best sequence this season. I was actually going to nitpick how he got on top of a telephone pole to fire that shot, but the more I thought about it, Yu's always jumping sky high and ran faster than a truck, so I figured if he can do that, Yoichi can get up a pole. Shiho continued to be arrogant. He's getting a tutorial on how to better connect with his demon and is like, screw the explanation, let's just do this. After that display of confidence, he should be embarrassed. Yoichi's best friends with his demon. Yu at least got Ashuramaru to skip the mind games. Then there's Shiho, still stuck playing through the psychological tricks. He deserves the extra hassle and watching those little kids hand him a knife demanding his sister be killed was savage. As for Shiho's coffin, you had all the time to run away from it. A nine count not being interrupted in battle is unlikely and Crowley could have destroyed the damn thing if he wasn't intrigued by it during their fight. While everyone else tried to get stronger, all Mitsuba advanced and was ranked for her contribution during the battle of Shinjuku. When she was bragging about it, I was holding back my laughter. She did nothing significant but was pinned to the ground and bitten in the throat by a vampire. Not exactly sure how that merits praise. So when she broke down and amidst only receiving the honor because of her family ties, I respected the honesty. Shino also doesn't progress this season, which would be fine if she wasn't always joking about how great she is. As part of the Haragi family, Shinua could be higher in rank but supposedly chooses not to be. I think she's just not skilled enough to advance. She also didn't do much as a leader and her inexperience showed further. I mean, what kind of leader allows a subordinate to take blame for the squad being late? She was punished for it, but having a practice match before battle is dumb. Their numbers are already low and the mission is set up to fail, there's no need to go in tired as well. The only benefit was for the other soldiers to see our crew's abilities, but by the end it was more of an embarrassment. They are whooped in front of everyone, but it did lead to a conversation I really enjoyed. Yu's told the least he can do is learn the name of their target, there's more to being a good soldier than the ability to swing a sword. There's a lot of truth in that and a lesson Yu needs to learn. He's fought well up to this point by charging in, but Crowley could have washed their entire unit last season if he wasn't called away. So when Yu goes on about there's no point in remembering the name of someone you're going to kill, I was like would he just shut up and listen for once? Then he hit them with the I will remember the names of people I'm going to protect and listing all of them. That was a tough line and reminded me his underlying drive is not losing more people. Getting to the fights, Lord Wesker drinking blood like it's wine detailing the age and gender of the host is nasty. I wanted him shot right away but that doesn't happen because the savage uses his attendant as a meat shield. Guess there's no loyalty in being a vampire. And when things turned to a head up fight this became a shit show. 
Shinua kept her tradition alive of vocalizing an attack, rendering it ineffective. Like an idiot, she yells you're finished, alerting Wesker to her presence and pretty much asks to have her blade caught between his fingers. Then Shiho has a nice exchange with him before getting disarmed, but I noticed the wire connecting his swords was gone and thought the one time that could have been useful and the idiot removes it. But upon further inspection, the animators who worked on that sequence messed up because the swords were connected before and after those shots. After all the whining about newbies slowing them down and not having their back, Narmi's crew sucked. Three of them pierced Wesker's chest while another chained his arm. I saw from a mile away he'd sever a limb to escape. But if those dopes kept their swords in, it would have been nearly impossible for him to dodge the final attack. If they were really down for the cause, pull a Goku, latch on, and go down taking out a noble instead of letting him ragdoll you. Now let me say the adjustable bayonet used to steady Shinya's rifle is awesome and I love him instructing Yoichi as a sniper, but this entire fight could have been avoided if he fired a few seconds earlier. His tiger destroys the first vamp while Yoichi's arrows hit Wesker. With him being a vet, I thought he should have accounted for something like that, but the more I got to see of Shinya, the more dense he seems. He has Crowley in his sights and says not watching your back, rookie mistake. No, a rookie mistake is alerting the enemy to your presence. I'm not a fan of Mika, but I give credit where it's due, he had the best action this season. The long shot of him traversing through the remaining soldiers to retrieve you was great and all his flipping, dodging, blocking and striking was awesome. But his main move was to jump at someone, grab them by the throat and let them go. He did it at least four times. Watching Mika struggle with thirst brought me joy all season. He doesn't want to drink human blood and fully transform into a vampire because he's scared you will think he's a monster. But you's pretty much like I don't care if you're a vampire, I'm just happy you're alive. Take some of my blood if it's going to help you. Mika suffered all those years for nothing and I love it. He's understandably a bit of a dick after that and I thought it was funny he let the cut on Yu's arm bleed out for mad long before feeding from his neck instead. That was petty as hell. I had a speculation about these two last season with the evidence continuing to stack for it. I think Mika's in love with Yu. He was wrapped around Yu's waist preventing him from helping the squad during the battle in Shinjuku and both season intros have them gently holding each other's faces. When Mika feeds on Yu's neck, it was very sexual with more face holding. I'm just saying it's a lot of odd physical contact for family. But if Mika's feelings are romantic, his overprotectiveness and concern for what Yu thinks makes a lot more sense. Now I'd like to get into all the disloyalty and betrayal, which was a running theme this season. Shinya orders Yu to be restrained, preventing him from helping Gurren against Crowley, and even his own squad bails on him. But I was with Yu, if these clowns attacked together, they could have saved Gurren. Shinoa also brought up abandoning Gurren at the breakfast meeting, but Yu remains loyal to him. She claims her strong leadership is why he stuck with family, but it was her idea to ditch him in the first place. Then the team has to convince her to help Gurren against Crowley, and when that fails, they retreat. Yu goes back to save Gurren, and everyone follows to retrieve Yu, but they leave Gurren behind for a second time. Then out of nowhere at the final objective, Shinya and Shinoa decide screw the mission, let's save Gurren, because they don't abandon a friend in need. But it's like, yes you do, you already did multiple times, like the pair of them are just full of shit. I also don't like Narami, he wanted to kill hostages before trying to rescue them and is worse than Shinoa when it comes to believing their own hype. He proudly claims his team will never die because he's a sick leader. I knew right then he signed their death certificates, but Shinoa's the one to cash them in. A soft spot for you leads her to protect Mika causing a standstill and giving vampire reinforcements time to arrive. They murder a bunch of humans including Narami's friends and that's all on Shinoa. We kill vampires, but Mika's an exception because we like you and you likes him. She's such an idiot. I explained in last week's review of Vampire Reign, I had a hunch Akane also survived Farad's attack. He was shown meeting with a human traitor, so I was thinking he somehow handed Akane over to the humans, giving them a serif to defeat Cruel and opening a path for him to take control. 
It didn't show the girl's face when Kurito was experimenting on her, so I thought it was Akane, but my dreams were crushed when it turned out to be Shiho's sister. If I'm being objective, it was better this way because not everything is focused on Yu's family. But Shiho's anger and declaration to save his sister was bullshit. When she comes out of angel form, they flee and Yoichi's the one to say we need to go back. Shiho's like, no, it's fine and abandons her. But I shouldn't be surprised he didn't even want to visit her last season when it looked like she was dying. And I guess she's not healthy enough to be on the run, but trusting Kurito will keep her alive is not a bet I would take. Plus, he's going to put her through more trials and pain. Like I said, the disloyalty was rampant this season and I kind of want to possess Gurren just to run up and kill everybody and have that be the end. But when it came to the actual ending, that was orchestrated by Kurito, who pretty much looks like Gurren with a haircut and some weight training. He continued the disloyalty, pretty much letting the angel kill any soldier who was close to it. And when it came to his plans, it left me with many questions. I was confused where the incantations to control an angel come from and how did the humans know about the different trumpets. I'm also curious how Cruel turned on her own like Gurren mentioned. Is it because she lied about killing all the test subjects? She did have a panicked reaction when Mika entered the progenitor council meeting, and I touched on this last week, but it looks like Mika is important to Cruel. If he wasn't, she would never tolerate actions like him barging into her chambers and drinking straight from her neck. Just look how she loses her temper on Farad for minor annoyances. She also saves Mika from Crowley and has him escape without her. I wish her plans with him were further explored. Moving into some other issues, bad writing was a problem this season. You summoned by the higher-ups and is like the Haragi family? You mean the leaders of the demon company that got Japan back on its feet after the world went to crap? Yeah, dummy, what other Haragis do you know? That's clearly intended to remind us who the Haragis are and isn't the only time blatant explanations are targeted towards the audience. At the start of the season, I thought, wow, the squad is finally training, but it's only a backdrop for information about Gurren to be shoved down our throats. The exposition of his relationship to Shinua's sister doesn't feel natural, but that's not even the biggest issue. If Gurren struggles to contain Mahiru, why didn't we see him affected by her last season? Not once was he hunched over in pain or have to run off because she was taking control. Another inconsistency is Gurren caring for you as a child. Flashbacks show him at Yu's bedside until he falls asleep after a nightmare, but in Vampire Rain he treats him as an annoying subordinate not giving him the time of day. Now they're trying to paint the picture Gurren genuinely cares for you when we already know he's just a tool to be used. With the two seasons being released in the same year, I was kind of shocked by the disconnect between them. As for the production, this season's opening was a huge drop from Vampire Rain. No dancing cruel, no unique music, they put a generic track over a bunch of vampires. And I went in on the voice acting pretty heavy last week, my only new critique is Crowley sounds soft. He has more dialogue this season which is why I only noticed now. Austin Tyndall, Crowley's voice actor, is also Seiji and Love Tyrant. After seeing these characters are voiced by the same person, I could definitely hear parts of Seiji and Crowley, especially when he questioned something. Now let's get into the nitpicks. You summoned by Kurito to kill a vampire is a sign of loyalty, but that makes no sense because he's been slaughtering them since receiving cursed gear. If he was a spy, he'd still kill one to protect his cover. When you gives blood to his sword for the first time, he cuts through a perfectly good white glove and ruins it, like, what a waste. On the way to the mission briefing, Shiho starts swerving on the highway, claiming monsters came out of nowhere, but there were multiple scattered along the road, he clearly just wasn't paying attention. And being able to hotwire any whip and choosing that truck was a waste. I'm with Shinya, if you're going on a suicide mission, you might as well ride in style and pull up in a Lambo. Shiho discussed his plan way too loud when taunting Wesker, and when he pinned the severed arm, he's like, this is your dominant hand, isn't it? Clearly it's not, his dominant hand would be holding the sword. In one episode, Gurren's team is scuffed up and worn out, then in the next, all the dirt and injuries are gone. I was confused how Gurren and Shinya got away from Crowley. 
They were laid out in front of him after a failed attack, then it cuts to them chilling in some comfy chairs with their weapons down. In last season's review, I said the vampire showed intelligence, but I take it back. They didn't take Gurren's sword away when he was captured, the morons left him with a blade that can kill them. Gurren mentions Mika was stronger in the Battle of Shinjuku. I know he's beaten up, but I thought Mika would receive a strength increase as a full vampire. A ridiculous leaky faucet sound effect was added to Mika's blood dripping while injured, it was really funny. Lastly, this series may damn well save family more than the Fast and Furious franchise. Quote of the series. There's a slick line where you tells Gurren you don't control me and his response is actually I do. That was deep seeing as you as Gurren's weapon. Best girl waifu and harem. Best girl is cruel. I love how she's so small but wreck Crowley after he doesn't break a sweat in any other fight. Cruel is not a waifu, hundreds of years old or not she looks 12. And as far as the ladies added to the harem joining Sayuri, first is Ihara. I wouldn't want her leading me in battle but she is good looking. The other is Mito, she's a hot redhead and her cursed gauntlets are sick. Final thoughts. Battle in Nagoya spent a lot of time setting up a season 3 when it should have focused on making its own story good. The characters made a lot of stupid moves and the action pieces didn't hold a candle to vampire reign. I've done some reading outside of the anime and Seraph of the End had a lot of future potential but this season didn't deliver. I'd still recommend checking it out to finish the series, I doubt we'll ever see another season. Alright, that's going to be it for this week's review. Hope to catch you in the next one. Bye.